Chances are that a lot of what you really don't enjoy doing are not producing that much fruit or accomplishing the mission of making disciples anyway. But all of us get caught on a hamster wheel of things that we've added to our list of responsibilities, or someone else has, that over time is a huge waste of our energy and resources. Remember, we all have only so much physical time and capacity, but we also have a limited supply of emotional capacity to spend each day and week. And if you're maxed out on both time and emotional energy, you'll hate your life. You'll have very little to give your family, and you'll hide and or die under a pile of exhaustion, and you'll never have time for making disciples in community in your own everyday life. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, my brother Heath, how are you running today? Running cool? Running hot? Running, I'm running okay. <laughs> you, you? Seem, you seem to be a little worked up over your day gig, just slightly. Yeah. Not like, you know, you know anybody in particular, but just it's little... It's the grind of, of going, man, I I wish they would listen to some of us that are boots on the ground. You yeah. Know, the day-to-day, yeah. people have something to say, because I understand And just to it. point out, you're not working at the uh, at the church gig no, any, any, anyway. anymore, yeah. so, but that still exists everywhere, right? Yeah. Can, it can, yeah. It, here's another thing I have to ask you. How's your computer been running? Because I know you had some problems and challenges yeah. with this thing like it doesn't like want to run unleaded anymore you're having to put like <laughs> special fuel in it or something what's well, funny how old is that <laughs> yeah this computer's what six years old i was just thinking about that all of our gear has our microphones our oh yeah we cobbled together whatever we had running to and, make it work yeah. yeah and still right so hey, it's funny because we're actually uh, you know my power supply we're in between episodes i have to like plug it in and juice up a couple minutes before we go again otherwise the battery's just i mean i can watch it just tick down from 100 yeah, <laughs> yeah. right yeah but i've hey, never been a pc guy yeah i mean well i was years ago okay. um and then i had a buddy uh of mine who was so mac like evangelist guy yeah. you know um when i was working at the big church and he finally said listen just try a mac you're never ever going to regret it and so i you know i don't know we're going to go there and we're going to get into this big debate and listeners are going to be all over us and then it's <laughs> mac or then pc it's, tell us mac or pc group. then it's going to be like boxers or briefs and big fisty cuffs <laughs> maybe but maybe there's someone out there that wants to help heath get a new computer yeah, if you're out man, there that'd be nice but it's got to be a mac so don't offer to give him your used you know uh compact 286 or whatever picked up an old dell at a garage sale he's running <laughs> yeah he's high octane to keep but no, going. seriously, if there's anybody out there that wants to help Heath, you know, and maybe he can put you on a show or put you on his podcast or yeah, something. That'd be, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Oh my. I was, I was, I will say, I was a PC guy growing up. When I got in the music business, everyone said, hey, you have to have Macs because that's kind of how we roll, which makes sense for production, that sort of stuff. Yeah. This would be really hard to do these shows on a PC. It but would the, be. The job I'm at now gave issued me a PC. And the first few months, it's like my grandma learning, like, I'm I'm a 35-year-old dude trying to figure out how to type. And I look like <laughs> a 94-year-old woman trying to figure out where the keys are at. Why do I have to use F keys? <laughs> yeah. Every time I do, I, I go F. You know? <laughs> Cap, caps lock F. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, All tell right. us in the Facebook group if you're a Mac or PC person. Let's let's yeah. cause some unnecessary fighting. Hey, the group has gotten large. Yeah. It's amazing. Right? It's thousands of people now. So please yeah. jump in. The water's fine. Yeah. Tell us if you're a Mac, PC. Boxer brief, either way, you know, <laughs> keep you 
Uh, I, I will say the way that you do get blocked, because I've had to block a couple of people recently. We haven't even talked about this. Is people that are posting promotional videos of themselves on the Facebook group. Yeah, get, that's not what it's for. No, family. Yeah, we're not going to make you more famous. Yeah, some by people are pe- trying to put their live stream up. That's yeah, not what it's we're for. We're not doing this. No, yeah. I mean, good. God bless you. But yeah. no, this is to have discussions around discipleship and, and the topics for that week yeah. primarily so that it's not like back 800 episodes. But And then people are helping each other a lot. Like, hey, I'm trying to find that one episode about yeah. this or that. And How do I find Someone this? else will search it up and go, I think it's this one, you know? Yeah. So good on you. Thanks. And if you're a PC person, we've got a whole community of people that are experts in walking you from unbelief to belief into the Macintosh land. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, All right. Now today, this ancient, I don't know, distorted model of the pastor, CEO, jack of all trades has to do everything. And then if, as we grow, he gets lots and lots of assistance. That's always going to kill people. And yeah. I, I don't know of any businesses that are run that way where, you know, the person who's the CEO has to be good at everything. Sure. <laughs> you, know? Yep. you know, anyway, so I hope not, man. I don't want to kill anybody. And that's kind of what I want to talk to about today uh, or address today is, is I, I think that that going forward, and this is this, I would have had the same. In fact, I've been I've been kind of scratching my head around this topic mm-hmm. for way before there was ever anything called COVID nineteen that we were aware of. Sure, is that I think a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders. So you don't have to be paid staff or anything, but just people leading in in churches and in community groups and all. They probably could stop doing eighty percent of what they are currently doing, yep. and and they'd be healthier for it, and they'd be able to focus on that twenty percent that's actually producing fruit. That's kind of where I want to go today. Yeah, man. It makes sense. And, you know, as you, even as you're talking, I'm just sort of wondering, like, do you think that this is kind of the reality that we've been given and pastors are going to have to deal with it as we wait for everything to pass? Or do you still think, like, as we've been saying here on the show for weeks, that this is actually a really amazing opportunity to make some core fundamental changes that are actually going to propel the church on mission going forward? Man, I hope so, brother. I really do think so, though. Okay. I, I really do think God has given us a huge reset button of sorts. Hmm. Not everybody's going to push the reset. Sure. You know, it's just like, you know, how long have you been fighting that? You know, <laughs> Tina's computer lately. It's just like every time she hits a key, she waits for the cursor to re- react. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, honey, reboot. You know, it's like, yeah. I have. It's just, you know, so, but I, I don't, I think God's actually given us a reset. Hmm. And and if we'll embrace it, the future of the church and our one true mission of discipleship will grow to include more of the priesthood of saints. Hmm. Okay. More people exercising their gifts and serving others than ever before. And I think pastors and elders and all church leaders can shift more of their time to equipping the saints for acts of service, Mm -hmm. go look in Ephesians 4, uh, and discipleship in all of life, and see us accomplishing what Jesus commanded and promised us, which is maturity and unity as believers, and more and more people being set free from performance-based religion and starting to truly walk in freedom with Jesus in all of life. I think if we'll embrace this and shed certain things going forward. Yeah, this is what a what a what a cool time. So, um how would you say like how does a pastor or other church leaders begin to reframe their roles and how they spend their really stretched thin time so that we can actually see the things that you described happening more and more? Cuz I've got some pastor friends who now I know are up against a crunch cuz they go it's time for us to innovate, but yeah. now they have to give account to either board or elders that yeah. don't strategically think like yeah. that. And so they're kind of caught in this weird world. How do we serve pastors in this time? Yeah, well, again, I kind of tipped my hand a second ago there, but I think most pastors need to stop doing about 80% of what they have been traditionally doing throughout the week. Yeah. Traditionally. Okay. Some of the new rhythms are kind of cool 
And I think they kind of broadened out the week of like, hey, we're a family all week, right? Sure. So I'm not I'm not suggesting all that stuff needs to be killed or done away with. But and the church elders are going to need to back them up on this and mm-hmm. step up to the plate themselves in order for this to happen. Yep. Okay. So please think of this as family, not as like, well, you know, we hired you to do everything we could dream up. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's your job. And then, well, you've got a part time assistant for crying out. You know, yeah. like elders step up an elder. Like yep. lead, be the big brothers and sisters of this community, right? Um, and here's what I'd say to pastors. Start by assessing your personal... I mean, this is, let me back up a second. Okay. This is how I think you can get to like that, getting rid of a lot of stuff, okay? Start by assessing your personal and your church's core values and why you exist as, as a body. Okay. Do you exist to create loads of programming that's primarily consumed one day a week? Is that your calling? Hmm. Okay. Understanding what drives you, like really gets you up in the morning, will make it easier to stop doing things that are not really in line with your goals, your gifting, your church's values, your personal values. Then start cutting out activities and tasks that don't support those. Okay. Hmm. Look at what feels like drudgery to you every week and either cut that out or hand that to someone else in your church or staff that loves that stuff. Sure. Okay. Chances are that a lot of what you really don't enjoy doing are not producing that much fruit or accomplishing the mission of making disciples anyway. Mm. Right. Yeah. But all of us get caught sort of on a hamster wheel of things that we keep adding to our list of responsibilities or someone else has. And that over time, it's just a huge waste of our energy and resources. Yeah. You know, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking of situations when I was in the institutional church working. Um, it's kind of like a budget, a family budget too. You go, hey, times are tough. We've went from five thousand to three thousand dollars a month. Some things are going to have to get cut. What do they look like? How can we get creative in this? What do we really value? What's critical? Yeah. yeah. So this is actually a really good time for the for the the church. You know, your own individual church to go. Is it necessary that we have ministry here seven nights a week? Are there any that we can outsource to different locations and make that the new rhythm? And or could there be new home versions of these exactly. things decentralized? Because now more and people are engaged anyway. And you know, things like Awana this year. Are you doing Awana? Like, yeah. oh, we got to get all back together, and it's all got to be in the parking lot. You know, yep. in the church campus. Well, why not do distributed Awanas? You know. Well, and that's what or I hear. Or, 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 or VBS. Sure. You know, like why not distribute VBS and let's like have them all over the neighborhoods. What an yeah. impact, right? Well, and and that's there's a hundred of those kind of things. So we don't have to just, you know, we don't have to get back to all that stuff. Either. And that's the sad thing for me is watching these pastors that are just chomping at the bit to get back to what was rather than going. Yeah. And we, man, we keep we, talking about this. Yeah. Like this is like our third or hundredth episode about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we must really believe in it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've even heard too about this 80-20 rule. I yeah. think that's what it's called that says... Uh, you know, the premise of it is that 20% of our work actually produces 80% of the results, something like that. Yeah. It, the 80-20 rule is also known as the Pareto principle. Okay. And um, that that's attributed to this Italian economist. I don't even know if I can pronounce his name right. It's like Vilfredo Pareto. Okay. Pinocchio's father. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it holds that the um, 80% of results in any organization come from 20% of the effort. Hmm. And this has been studied like every way from... You know, really, and it's it's kind of, there's a real reality to this. Sure. And that means you're probably spending 80% of your time actually not accomplishing much of what's truly important Mm. or moving the needle, Mm. you know, based on the mission, the goal, making disciples. And we've also seen the 80-20 rule show up in most churches this way, where 20% of people do 80% of the work. Yep. Right? Is that true everywhere you've ever been? Yeah. yeah. I've even heard 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. I mean, it's oh, kind it's, of a No, it is that. No, yeah. it is that. Or and that's like nine. And people say, no, it's the 90-10 here, right? <laughs> and a big part of that 20% of the church doing everything is the pastor and often his wife and his family, yeah. you know? One time, um, 
Tina and I, we did a flow chart of responsibilities for a church plant that Tina and I were a part of, and okay. we, were, we were getting ready to move. And they said, well, let's, let's get clear on all the things that you guys were kind of leading in and involved in and sure. kind of keeping you know, your finger on. And we were like in 17 key function slots on this Jeez. chart. Way too many, <laughs> yeah. right? And we wonder why people are burning out. Like, oh yeah. yeah. And so not only, and I wasn't a senior pastor or anything. Sure. This is just you know, this concerned uh, family member, right? So not only does eighty percent of what is getting done not accomplish much, but the stuff that is important is getting done primarily by a small percentage of people in your church. Hmm. So let's let's start to change that. Okay, yeah. please. So use this idea, sort of this eighty twenty thing, this Pareto principle, to refocus your schedule. Yeah. And I, I, I want to suggest start creating a stop doing list. Hmm. Okay. Things that you're going to stop doing. Yeah. And, and, and you create that list from the 80% area of things, right, that aren't really accomplishing the mission. Sure. And, and start concentrating on the things that are bringing real results and bringing you joy. And you're seeing multiplication. Like there's a mm-hmm. disproportionate amount of joy and momentum from this 20% of stuff. This 80%, it's like expected. We sure. got to do it. So from that 80% chunk, start creating your stop doing list. Hmm. And let's start to grow the 20% of our church or community members that are, that are already doing effective work, yeah. let's really start to give them our best time and effort to equip them and more and more saints for service and yeah. equipping, okay? You know, I don't I don't want to break script too much here, but one thing that I think too is really important is just an honest assessment of what that looks like. Because there's some people, when you're in the rhythm of week in, week out, doing, 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 you, you tend to not be fair with what is actually happening. And so there, I know there's all kinds of even apps on your phone where you can log your week and go, Oh yeah. Oh man, I really spent way more time on this than I thought. Yeah. It's a good within coaching and even leading church staffs. Yeah. I've had, I've done this many times throughout the years and, and no one likes doing it, but I go, listen, I want you to log from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep every 15 minutes, what you what you got done. Yeah. You don't have to stop. It's every, shocking. You don't have to stop every 15 minutes. But like if you were working on X, Y, or Z for like 45 minutes yeah. at the end of that, go, all right, 45 minutes, this. Yep. And I've never seen it be much better than 80, 20. Like where mm. it's like people come with their head hanging. Like I'm like, what's up? And they're like, oh, I'm just two weeks of doing that thing. I hated it. I'm like, <laughs> what did you hate about it? I know it's kind of a pain, you know, yeah. but it's very revealing. They're like, exactly. Yeah. They're like, you know what? I'm so embarrassed by how little actually like the stuff, yeah. the right stuff I spend my time. Wow. Am I distracted on a million other things or stuff that I think people expect and sure. I'm putting a lot of extra time in and yeah. or whatever pet project or the, it's, but it's not even moving the needle. Right. Well, I'm doing that even at work right now where I'm going like, I got 12 hours of standing weekly meetings before I even get to start my work week and 80 you 20 buddy things, 80 exactly. 20 principle take this home with you all right here's another thing okay resist energy drains like mm-hmm. as you as things are starting back up and you're trying to you know look at like oh my gosh i can't do everything we used to do and everything we still have to do and all this sure you only have so much energy and if your primary motivation for doing a lot of what you're doing is like obligation yep or guilt or just because that's what we've always done or whatever that's not a wise use of your time like steward better than mm. that right you know, yeah, man right. up, woman up, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. pull up, right? Pull up those big pants, you know? Uh, <laughs> and who wants a pastor anyway that's just doing their job merely out of obligation or guilt? And no one. All right? So know the people in your life and know the activities in your daily, weekly life that bring you energy. Hmm. And then prioritize those activities and people. 
good. Chances are those people and activities are square in the middle of that super productive 20% anyway. Sure. So you're not, you're not like, Oh, I'm forsaking all this stuff. No, you're not. You're focusing on the parts that are actually, you know, accomplishing the mission. You're giving your time to those people who are probably getting most of that done anyway. And you're looking for ways to start to equip more and more people to take stuff off of your plate so you can focus more and more on equipping and the yeah. 20%, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? And remember, we only have so much physical time and capacity in life, but we also have a limited supply of emotional capacity to spend each day and week. Hmm. Emotional capacity. So people look at their calendar and go like, man, I'm really busy. Or I wasn't that busy this week, but man, am I fried? It's like, you know why? Because it was high emotional level stuff. Yeah. And when you're doing a lot of stuff you don't feel good at, or it's not in your sweet spot, or it's not really in your values, that is is eating up your emotional capacity, yep. regardless of what the calendar looks like. So if you're maxed out on both time and emotional energy, you'll hate your life. Yeah, You'll have very little to give your own family and probably your church, and you'll hide and or die under a pile of exhaustion. Yeah, And you'll never have time for making disciples in community in your own everyday life. You'll just be like, I'm just too busy and I'm exhausted, you yeah. know, and, and you will be. Yeah. But you don't have to be. Okay. You don't have to be. You know, this might get a little bit of flack too, but one thing I've found to be just kind of a practical tip um, is, you know, it's like runners who just keep running and running and running and eventually they wear out. For me, I've got an app, like a mindfulness app that twice a day just pings me to sit down for five minutes, close my eyes, listen to a little meditation thing. And I'm amazed how taking five minutes and slamming on the brakes and sitting there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, the next I did two ten or minutes. three hours, I just go... I did 10 minutes right before you got here today to record the podcast because I'd just been running today. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to bring that sense of like scatteredness and like uh, yeah. freaking out to to this, which we love doing. Yeah. This is this in my life is the 20% for sure. Sure. It's moving the needle. And so, yeah, I totally agree Things with like you. That, yeah. I agree with you. So I'm sure pastors, uh, even church leadership are kind of listening to this, maybe a little anxious. And I'm kind of curious, <laughs> like how can leaders start to engage their roles and how they actually spend their time without everyone just getting freaked out or without them worried about being fired by the elder board, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my guess is that, that for a lot of people, especially if you're a pastor listening to this and you're leading, um, probably between 60 and 90% of your church's time and budget is spent in some way um, around Sunday mornings. Mm. And now maybe you'd say, well, you know, Sunday's been closed, but now it's triple that to put it all online. Well, now it's coming back. So now you're going to have triple times triple, right? And that, right. But you're having so little time to release new missional leaders, new disciple makers, right. To really equip people in their gospel fluency. And and that has to be addressed. Yeah. Cause there's always going to be the next thing. See, that's the, that's the thing about this whole beautiful opportunity that God's given us for like a reset is that there's always going to be something we can hide behind and and all that. And and I just want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that you change everything overnight. Okay. Okay. I, you know, and I've talked to my buddy, Mike Breen about this and he's written on this, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be stuff that needs to be changed. And, and he, his suggestion is you go after evolution rather than revolution. He says, huh. he says, revolutions are bloody and expensive and usually end, everyone on both sides ends up dead. <laughs> wow. That's true. Right. So you yeah. want evolution. So I'm not suggesting you go and you go like, listen, I was listening to the, you know, Caesar and Heath and I'm going to stop doing 80% of stuff tomorrow. <laughs> what, what we're trying to say is you probably can get to this and you'll be so much more effective and have sure. joy. Right. So what do you do? And so here again, this is some of Mike's language, you know, imagine your church is a cart 
and a horse. Okay. <laughs> there are things in your church that are higher maintenance. And they require a lot of organization, a lot of your time and attention, and that's fine up to a point. But the horse, the thing that pulls the cart, the cart, that's that's you and your best leaders. Hmm. Okay, the people who are leading communities on mission, actually really making disciples. You know, they're the ones who are going to lead the church into the future, really, sure. the missional frontier, if you will, and. And they're going to take the cart along with them, okay? Mm. But the problem comes when we have carts that are just too heavy and too ornate and elaborate and fancy and lights and sound and action, and they're too inflexible, and they are high maintenance, right? Sure. We want to be a lot light, more lightweight than that, mm. okay? So if that's your situation, here's what I think you need to do. You need to feed the horse, okay. <laughs> right, and slowly make the cart more lightweight, mm. Okay. Yeah, That's good. what you start taking stuff out of the cart. Like, hey, you know, we're getting back to doing Sundays, and Sundays used to include this, 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 all that. And we yeah. spent all week getting ready for it. Why don't we take some of that stuff off? Yep. Like, like, why could you not come back and say, you know, instead of having like the crazy light show and this and that and all the sound and the eighteen piece band and <laughs> special music, why can't we say, you know scale what, it. scale scale that back a little yeah. bit? We're gonna have like an acoustic, someone on a piano, maybe a couple of vocalists. Yeah, we're gonna be sitting down. Like the lights just come on. That's where they're at. We don't need eighteen people in tech. Yeah, you know, not because we're looking to fire people, but like we want them out actually doing the twenty percent, the Absolutely. stuff that moves. And I want to give them that focus. So yep. now. Think about your production meetings and how much they just changed throughout the week yeah. and what you could start to focus on. Absolutely. Here's another example. If someone who teaches or preaches regularly, you're spending, I don't know, some people spend like 30 hours a week on their message. Well, discipline yourself to start to do it in 20. Hmm. I remember when I got to a point where I said, I'm not going to spend more than 10 hours a week on a message. Really? Yeah. 10 hours. Guess what? It's, it's, uh, there's another principle here that says that something like the amount of time allotted will always rise to meet the need or vice versa or something like that huh. and so what i found is when i had 10 hours to prep a message you better get it done in that 10 hours <laughs> they were they were just as good in fact they were more concise they didn't uh, tend to run on i yeah. usually had one big idea or two that were being totally developed versus i had to read every commentary yeah and every all book of it and there was all these disjointed things and it was proof texting all over the wall and it was crazy right hmm. what you know what if we took that prep time and we took all that creative meeting time and it was all cut back by like just say 25% to get started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and what if all the money usually allotted for Sunday mornings was cut back by a certain percentage and reallocated to equipping saints, getting coached, hmm. right? Developing communities that actually multiply and make disciples, growing in gospel fluency. That's how we're going to make disciples yeah. and win the day. Not getting back to everything else times 100 plus all the new digital rhythms, right? Yeah. And so... I, I just say you got to start taking stuff out of the cart. Hmm. What are those things you can, you know, get out of the cart? Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things that I've learned over time is um, you don't want to just kill off things. What okay. you want to do is you want to sort of defund them with your attention. I think Mike calls it studied neglect. <laughs> okay. You know, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. So some leaders out there are more prone to revolution. And instead of being patient with the process, they take a sledgehammer to the cart <laughs> rather than a scalpel sure right and when you do that when you start killing off stuff like we're getting back together but we've just killed everything and events and all these stuff different stuff um and you do it all in one felt swoop people will feel it and they'll freak out and maybe they don't even really know that it's not benefiting them or whatever but mm. they just feel like they lost something right yeah and so it's it's a it's a pretty easy thing rather than killing stuff stop resourcing it with your attention 
Hmm. That's why he calls it practice neglect. I call it just defund it. Yeah. You're not, I'm not giving it my time. We're not equipping to that anymore. Um, you know what? We're not paying staff to have 15 or 20 hours of production time for Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can prep that up. It's the same 30, 40 songs we've done for the last 10 years. Yep. You can prep that thing up in, in two or three hours. Easy to If go. you don't know your songs by now. Yeah. And you got music stands in front of you, which has always been my pet peeve. Anyway. I hate it. I yeah. never saw that at a concert in my life. <laughs> but, you know, like we're just going to start limiting some of these things. And yeah. you know what? And the body, we're going to ask them to be cool with it. Yeah. Hey, because if they are like, I'm not coming here because, you know, if there's not three electric guitars and two keyboards yeah. and all those bad, I, where's my choir? You know, it's like, listen, like, you can Ugh. let them go. That's okay. So <laughs> let it go. Don't remember, not evolution. Or not revolution, evolution. evolution. Yeah. Start by finding some of these things or suggesting a certain percentage be taken out of the cart. And then but don't just don't just take stuff out of the cart so you can add more of the wrong stuff in. Go back to that 80-20 principle. Look for the things that are making disciples, developing leaders, yeah. stuff like that. That's okay. gonna be key. You have a, like I said, you have a you have a very finite amount of time and energy and emotional capacity and all that and attention, right? Sure. So whatever you're starting, that you know, from anytime you add stuff, something has to come out, or you're yeah. doing worse at all of it. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Now, please don't miss this too. Okay. Sorry, I'm running on a little bit here. Please don't miss this. Um, we have to have to have to start equipping more of our people for mission and disciple making. Hmm. And, and see, now is the perfect time to do everything we're suggesting here because we have a very real and plausible quote unquote excuse, sure, right? That our folks and our elders will understand. Like we're coming out of a, something that's happened globally that's never before happened in the way that it's happened, you know, yeah, exactly before. I'd be so, well, there's been pandemics, not when we had sound systems and lighting and electricity and yeah. all that, you know what crazy. I mean? And all that and Skype and zoom and all this, right? Mm-hmm. So Everything has and is changing, and there's no way that the pastor, preacher, CEO, jack-of-all-trades model of pastoring and leading different areas of ministry or children's ministry whatever, will suffice as we go forward. Hmm. And people all understand yeah, that. They do. So it's like, you know, in sales and in marketing, you know, why, why do the sales all happen like a Memorial Day sale or like a Fourth of July sale? Hmm. Like, oh, you know what? That's what I always think about as a new TV on the Fourth of July. They're just looking for a plausible reason sure. to do something, make Throw a change, out. spend some money, whatever. Yeah. Your body, your church, your people, and hopefully your elders as well, they'll all understand, hey, it's all different. It's all changed. It was crazy before and we weren't all that stoked yeah, exactly. about where, you know, how many disciples we were making and how that was going. And now we're going to try to do it all virtually and come back. But now we, instead of doing one or two services, we have to do four because we can only have this many people and all that. Hmm. Okay. Create your stop doing list. Okay. Check it against your core values. Hand off things to others that are important. Don't, here, here's another thing. Don't call it delegating. And really what you're doing is abdicating. Ooh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Right. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to start delegating a lot more. And you hand it off and they crash sure. and they burn or they feel neglected or forced. No, equip them. Yep. Equip them. Check in with them. How's it going? How about you watch me do it this week? Then I'll help you. Then you'll help me. Then I'll watch you. Then I'll give you a little feedback. Then you're on your own. Come to me if you need help. Hmm. Take things out of your cart, defund or exercise that practice neglect, right? Then train and equip folks to take on things from that 20% part of the list that are really working and important, right? And are producing disciples. And you know what? Don't be afraid of letting your people sort of fail forward or like I like to say, suck forward, right? And create new ways and experiences of, of, for doing things. And here's what, here's what your posture needs to be as a leader to be able to do this, is you're going to exercise low control over your people, mm-hmm. but high accountability. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Low control. So listen, I don't have to micromanage all that because now I'm just busier. Yep. I'm 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 letting go. I'm not abdicating because I'm equip, I'm equipping. I'm delegating. I'm letting people. I'm having low control, but high accountability that they're actually getting it done. Yeah. That if I ask them to get back to me with any questions, they did. Although that's that's yep. accountability. That's what adults do. That's what family, healthy family, does too. And mm. you know what? People are probably wondering right now. So you know, how do I know who to hand what to? Sure. Right. And if you're a smaller community, you're like, oh, there's nobody to give anything to. It's like, oh. You know, who will take up these new leadership roles? Sure. That's what we're going to talk about next week Ooh. on the podcast. Okay. Can't awesome. go. I'm already Don't starting to preach now. Right. So, but yeah, we'll tell you how to find the right people to do what with. But anyway, okay. there you go. I'm going to stop there before I get <laughs> back on my preaching soapbox. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm thinking too, that this really does show whether or not your church actually functions as a family or a business in the way the response is to this. Yep. If it's a, you're failing there's a 90 day plan to get you to speed or you're, you're fired. You're done. Like, I mean, you're like, we're a business. If there's grace, we're falling forward. We're learning, we're serving one another. You're a family. And so this, I think this is really where you can separate the the sheep from the goats and go, we're a family or we're, or we're a business. And what are we? And this isn't just about pragmatism. So like we can get more done. No, it's, it's about, are we doing the right thing and taking 80% off while we've got this opportunity so we can give full attention to the 20% of yeah. the people and the things that are actually making a huge difference and and making disciples and building the kingdom and seeing people come to faith and all yeah. that. Because let's be honest, You're so right. much of what we do doesn't. Absolutely. But we just keep doing it week after year after, you so know, we do. millennial. So. I'm working with a church right now who, uh, I mean, they just spent millions and millions and millions on a new building because the pastor says that this is the way that you keep people coming. This is the way you attract people to Jesus, by the lighting show and the LED walls. and. Okay. Huh. All right. Keep it up, man. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's get to the big three. All right. Because as always, we want to leave people with big three takeaways from today's topic. So if nothing else, things that you do not want to miss. And by the way, you can always get a printable PDF of each week's big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Okay, so here's the big three for this week. It's too easy to slide into more and more responsibilities and busyness thinking that we're being productive when Mm. we're actually not. See, productivity is not about packing as much as humanly possible into your day and your schedule. Don't forget to look at your personal and family responsibilities in time as well, Hmm. okay? You are one person with one calendar, and your capacity, both in time and emotional capacity, it's not limitless. Yeah. All right. You're right. You don't let the don't let the church kill your family and everything else because you're working so hard to keep that thing fed. You're like, well, I'm busy, yeah. so it must be it must be good. It must be productive. No. Nope. Okay. Second, um, you have nothing to prove to others or earn from God by how you spend your time. Hmm. Okay. Like, okay. I just let that soak in. You have nothing to prove to others or earn from God, who's the only one whose approval you need, yeah. <laughs> and you have it by how you spend your time. You are deeply and completely loved right now because hmm. you're God's child. It's good. Okay. Your loving father does not want you fried and freaked out and frazzled all the time. Hmm. Okay. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, regardless of traditions and past expectations of others, what you should best be spending your time on for maximum kingdom fruitfulness and joy in your life. Yeah. Trust God with the results. The pressure's off. Okay. (laughs) All right. Amen, man. All right. Third, look at your current responsibilities and create a stop doing list based on your core values and the 80-20 rule of effectiveness that we talked about. Okay. Okay. Like, stop. Do that. Like, take out paper this week. Sit down. Do an 80-20 list. You'll be mm. shocked, okay? Um, if you're real bold, 
Do that whole time thing where every 15 minutes you log what you've been doing yeah. throughout a whole day for two weeks, okay? That'll prove it's what telling. we're saying is probably true, okay? Assess how much of your time and efforts being applied to the one true mission of the church, which is making disciples of Jesus who make more disciples. Yeah. That's stark alone. Yeah. Do a lot more of that stuff, okay? And start removing other things from your cart right away. Your time is best spent equipping the saints for acts of service, not doing everything for your people and keeping them babies for years and years and years. Amen. Okay, so there's your big three. Isn't this freeing? And again, before we scoot out of here today, I want to invite you to get immediate access to the Everyday Disciple Workshop. We've trained thousands of people in this powerful framework of discipleship when we were doing our Everyday Disciple Challenges, and we always had people asking us how they could get and keep this training and all the videos. Well, now you can. Just go over to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop to get this simple and reproducible discipleship framework that really works for busy people. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. I hope you'll grab that and get that downloaded. Start watching that and start sharing that with others because now you'll have all of it. All right, I got to go for now. I hope you'll join us next week. I'll keep diving into discipleship and mission and hopefully help pave the way for this to be a whole lot easier and more natural in your everyday life. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.